This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Gendron. And I am joined by Mike Gendron, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I think I need to drink more water. I uh, I had my first glass of water of the day, like, maybe 30 minutes ago. And sometimes when I'm training, I get in these, like, uh, rhythms where it's like you wake up. First thing you do is, like, pound a couple cups of coffee, get yourself ready for work. You go to work all day. You bust your butt all day. You get home. Immediately, you go for your run, shower up. Dinner's on the table. When you're done your run, you have dinner. You maybe have a beer or two, a glass of wine or something. You fall asleep on the couch at 9. Next thing you know, you've gone through your whole day. You've ran. You've drank coffee. You've drank alcohol, but you haven't had a single glass of water. So I, I'm, I'm trying to be better, Steve. Yeah, you should probably drink some water. I yeah. I prescribed to the uh, the Chris Robertson and Lewis Kent method where they said just keep a beer bottle next to the sink every time you yeah. walk by, chug one down to practice your beer chugging. So That's I am true. actually the most hydrated I've ever been in my life. Water is important. And, yeah, and that other voice you hear, it's our other host, Trent Fontanella. Trent, you're not at the House of Sav. Where are you at tonight, bud? No, I am in, in Motown, Detroit, Michigan, the beautiful city of Detroit, uh, home of Fords and uh, home of uh, some, some bad sports teams. So it's been a good week. But you guys are going to appreciate this. So we had an interview that we recorded a little <laughs> earlier. I'm not going to get into it. But I knew I wanted to have a beer or two you know, for the interview. It's just it's the peak too early way. So I ran out to the convenience store, the 7-Eleven, um, quarter mile down the block to grab a couple beers to take back to my hotel room. And all they have for single beers is those massive tall boys, right? And I, I didn't want to chug it. It's just going to get Classic warm. Detroit. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> here, have like a, a 32-ounce you know, Miller Lite, which sounds delicious, but by the time I get halfway through, it's going to be warm and flat. So then I looked at the six-packs, and I said, you know, and I can just get a cheap six-pack, and that's better, and, and maybe I'll finish it by the time I leave. Maybe I won't, but I'll enjoy each beer more than that big, giant tall boy. Uh, so I come back to the room, and I have my six-packs of Miller Highlights, mixing it up a little bit. I hope that's not, you know... Uh, blasphemy to this Miller Lite sponsored podcast, but a little bit. I thought to myself, I'm a beer miler now. This is the perfect opportunity to chug some beers, get my practice on, because uh, I got to <laughs> get better at this, and I got to use them up before I fly home in a couple of days. So, by myself in my hotel room, I chugged a beer in, in 15 and a half seconds. I was pretty <laughs> proud of it. Uh, I thought it, I thought it was a good start. So. Uh, just, just get ready, boys. I am in full training mode right now. <laughs> this podcast has slowly turned into just like the top of the show turned into like a soliloquy about Trent, what he's drinking. <laughs> that thing. People probably are like tuning in and they're like, oh boy, here goes here goes Trent about the beer he's drinking again tonight. I'm turning this it. podcast. <laughs> it never intended to be more than 30 seconds or so, but I'm pretty sure I go for like four or five minutes each time. <laughs> you got to uh, give the people what they want, like Jalen Rose. So. I guess so. Um so we're not going to waste a ton of time at the top of the show today. We are going to get right into our interview. We interviewed Riley Masters. He's a Nike athlete. Um, awesome interview. Probably one of our most fun interviews yet. Um, he's a he's a Patriots fan, so we talked a little Patriots. We talked a little bit of gambling, but he's somebody that just kind of gets what we're doing. He's he told us he listened to a couple episodes before he come on. He you know he called us out you know about you know being semi-educated running fans, which is totally true, um, but just an awesome man. All right, we have an awesome interview for you guys today. We have former UMaine Black Bear before transferring to the University of Oklahoma to finish his college career. He's a Nike athlete that has a sub-four-minute mile and a 13-16 5K on his running resume. The pride of Bangor, Maine, Riley Masters, Welcome to Peak Too Early. Oh, thanks, guys. Go Pats. Yeah, that's right. Well, let, let's get into it. My first question for you is going to be, the line is at 12 and a half wins for the Patriots this fall. Who do we got? Are you taking the over or the under on that? Honestly, I think they'll win 12. Okay. That's, that's my guess. So I was. it was funny. I was watching the preseason game against the Titans this past weekend, and – 
you know, I think Belichick, he's just such a wizard that sometimes I think he'll he'll toss a game or two um, just to kind of play with things. So I think we're capable of winning more. But uh, like you saw last year, we dropped one to the Titans, I think. Um, oh, yeah. Later in the late in the year. And I was like, that was a weird loss. So, um, yeah, it's always hard to tell. But I think 12 safe to get into the playoffs. So that's what I think we'll win. But uh, again, when I was watching the preseason game, we were they were up. I think the Titans were up eight nothing at one point, And I couldn't believe they went for two. And <laughs> I was thinking to myself, I was like, it would be classic Belichick to score a touchdown and not go for two just to kick the extra point. <laughs> just to mess with the other team. So um, anyway, yeah, that was, I'm, that was I'm just nephew to Brable. He's right. like, he's yeah. like, you're going to go for two. I'm going to go for two. <laughs> That's, true. That's true. Yeah. Um, so you were saying, so you were just telling us, um, so you were out here in Massachusetts this past, uh, this past weekend for the Falmouth road race. Um, and I saw, I was looking at the results. Did you do the Falmouth mile and the road race the next morning? I did. Yeah. So I, I went out there to run the mile, um, and that was like my primary focus for the for the weekend. Um, unfortunately, there were a bunch of cowards in the race. People <laughs> sat on me. I got out kicked. Um, <laughs> I was pretty salty. And uh, no, I mean, I I kind of made my own bed there. I took the pace. There wasn't a pacer for the race, so um, I wanted to go quickly. So I took off and then got out kicked by a bunch of guys. So the next morning, I woke up and I was still pretty bitter about the the mile so they give you a bib just the, all the milers to run the road race and so I, I had my bib on i was going to jog it with my buddies and about a half hour before the race goes off people kept telling me they were like oh sorry about the race last night and it just like <laughs> kind of got under my skin so i was like all right screw it i'm just gonna run hard love it so yeah nice. so i shadowed the guys and this is kind of funny though i shadowed the money spots and top 10 made money so I'm running along. I ran really hard from like mile three to four to catch the the money spots, caught one of them, and then I was just gassed. So I stopped on the side of the road for about 15 seconds. And I was like, what am I doing? I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. And then I look, and then the 10th place person goes by me again. I was like, ah, shoot, all right. And I jumped back in the race, ended up catching a couple more people and finished eighth. So. Um, let's go that's awesome it was pretty hilarious i was like this is such a funny thing um my coaches weren't totally happy with it but um (laughs) yeah it was fun for me you you just said so many things that just got me so fired up like first of all like don't back off on your take that those guys are cowards because that is everything (laughs) we preach like in the mile we're so sick and tired of this sit and kick culture and you going out there doing all the work and those cowards kicking you out i love it that's that's the attitude you need to have. And then same thing, like we talk about it all the time. Like if you're going to put on a bib that day and you're going to, you know, step on the line, you should be racing. It doesn't matter where you are in your training. It doesn't matter like how you're feeling that day, how you slept the night before. And like, I don't know, the fact that you you're you know about to go jog through the uh, Falmouth Road race and end up making money off of it is that's that's pretty badass right there. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I was like I was like Massachusetts people really appreciate this. Like, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's how we got the name of our podcast. It's kind of a it's kind of a joke on uh you know a, a guy I used to run with who was a very talented runner, but whenever we would get whenever we'd go into a race, he would always say he's like oh I didn't run well I I peaked too early or I didn't peak at the right time. And my mindset was like dude I don't care where your training's at. You step on that line, it's go time. It's it's to, time to see who's tougher on that day. So I love that, man. That That's awesome. Such yeah. a cool story. There we go. Yeah, I like that you guys appreciate that I called everyone cowards, too. I felt like a sore <laughs> loser afterwards. I was I was cursing on the infield after the race, and I was just like, I got to calm down. I was like, I'm being a sore loser. But, uh, I was pissed. Yeah. So I got my, my, favorite, my favorite part about it is how you went out there and you shadowed the money spots. As, uh, as casual road racers, I think we all can relate to looking up online to see like what races have like that $50 gift card to Applebee's or whatever. And it's like, okay, I'll sign up for that race. Or if I know like third place gets some sort of prize, you know, I'll try and figure out who's in my age group and sit and kick that person. Um, so yeah, all respect to just like sitting and kicking the money spots. That's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, what was also funny too is, so I, I told you, I, I caught a couple more people at the, at the end of the race. I caught one guy like basically at the line and I was doing enough counting in my head where I was like, that's the fifth American. And I thought there was a chance that top five Americans made money too. So I thought I'd make 
American money plus overall money. Um, so I outkicked him. He was a he's a Patriots fan, so I hated to do it. I, I didn't want to do it to him. But uh, yeah, so it was pretty fun. It was a good experience. Awesome race, too. I love Fountain. Yeah. Such a oh. cool race, such a cool experience. I mean, you can't get a more beautiful course. Um, so, you know, you made some money and you, and you got to run on a beautiful course out there. That's right. Yeah, it was good times. Um, so we kind of talked about it a little bit, but um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the um, the bring back the mile. And you're you're a bring back the mile athlete. And like said, Mike said, that's something we talk about a lot. Kind of the, you know, we believe that the mile should be, I, n- n- not, you know, all three of us, we weren't necessarily milers, but we believe it should be the premier event in our sport because we talk a lot about growing the sport and we believe it's the most marketable event in the sport can you talk a little bit about bring back the mile and and what it you know what its mission is yeah um i mean the guys from bring back the mile so what they want to do is just make obviously the mile has so much history everyone knows who roger bannister is um you know they know that hickamuck rouge has the world record um and it just kind of makes and then everyone knows what four minutes like breaking the four minute barrier is and there's a significance there um, so those guys just want to make it so that really want the 1500 to become irrelevant and have the mile be the premier event. So that's their goal. And truthfully, I think it's a, it makes a lot of sense. Like the mile, it, there is a lot of history there. I mean, it's not exactly four laps, but it makes a lot more sense than the 1500 does. I think, um, I think if you want to run, I just think it'd be kind of cool at the Olympics to be the yeah. Olympic mile champion, not the Olympic 1500 meter champion. You know, because if you are the Olympic, like Matt Sanchowitz, he's the the 1500 gold medalist. Um, but it's like, well, he's actually the best miler in the world that year. Not, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's kind of a weird thing that you, the 1500 is just, it's kind of a weird, it's just crazy that you run three and three quarters laps. There isn't a race like that um, on the track. So I just think the mile makes more, a lot more sense. And then there's a lot, a lot of history there. Right. And we, we talk about it in like the, the aspect of trying to get people popularize the sport and get people into the sport and the mile is something that everyone can relate to. If you're not like a, a diehard track guy or didn't run track, nobody knows what the 1500 is. So it's like we're, we're taking our premier event and we're completely pushing it out of the biggest events in the world and putting in this event that nobody can relate to. So yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So like, I guess one of the reasons why I like your podcast too, I listened to a couple episodes when you guys asked me to come on. Um, I think it's hilarious, but you guys seem like pretty <laughs> casual track fans, um, who aren't going to know like the really specific stuff. What would you guys think a good 1500 meter time is, or do you guys know what the world standard is? That's a hilarious question. I love oh, it. It's on the spot like that. I mean, yeah, I, think, so. I think, I think, I think we get pretty close, but right. Yeah, we're, we're, to prove a point here, yeah. I could ballpark it, but I, I think I would need like a five second spread in order to wait, get it. Wait, let's all guess and see who gets the closest. And okay. the winner yeah. gets like 20 bucks or something. Deal. I'd say the world standard's probably like uh, like 338. Okay. I was going to go 341. All right. I, I was going to say 337. All right. It's 336 flat. So you can oh, break 336 right. to go. Hey, so, hey, good on us, guys. That was pretty good. I thought we were going to be way off. <laughs> so, like, the guesses you guys had, you, you're almost like a pretty irrelevant 1,500-meter runner globally. <laughs> Which, I mean, true. Like, if you're a 337 yeah. guy, that's your PR. It's like you're not getting into big races. So, yeah, it's and you're not going to Worlds. So, yeah, it's like it's a very – it's an interesting distance where not a lot of people know. But I think with a mile, it's like if you see – like, you can also run, I believe it's 353 flat. Um, and that also is in a mile. And that's a world standard as well. So if I told you guys 353 in the mile, you'd be like, oh, it's a sweet time. But if I say 333 in the 1500, you're like, is that It doesn't good? mean much. I, yeah. I would have to start doing math in my head. I remember somebody in college once told me, all right, if you want to get the conversion, just take your mile time minus 17 seconds. And that's roughly your 1500 times. So every time I, I have to do that math in my head, I don't know how accurate that is, but that's kind of like the, the, the law I've used my entire life, so... Right. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's very, very funny. Some of the ways people try to convert it, but, uh, yeah. No, I think it's funny that you say that because I mean, the three of us, we ran in college I mean, we pay attention very loosely, but it is shocking. Like 
how little we know about the sport. And if we <laughs> don't know anything about the sport, like your average sports fan isn't going to know a single thing about it. So something as simple as the mile, you know, making the standard a little bit easier, the distance a little bit easier to understand, I think would do a ton for the sport. I agree. I honestly think USATF and the IAAF need to call you guys and you guys need to be the barometer on like what makes sense and what doesn't. 100 percent let's go over your head they need to not make that decision but if you guys can (laughs) comprehend it then it's like all right cool this is probably people can relate man speaking my language because right there's the spectrum of like track nerds right and obviously like the track nerds are going to know all that and then there's sports fans who don't know anything about track we find ourselves somewhere in the middle we're like we just love sports and we also happen to you know be runners and love track so we're trying to understand it from like a normal sports fan's perspective, not necessarily like the track junkies perspective. So I think that's a great barometer right there. Right. Yeah. So I think you guys, you guys are absolutely perfect. You guys are the baseline of what yeah, track <laughs> needs to do. You guys, yeah. They need to run everything by you for sure. I'll pitch it to my agent. Maybe. Yeah. I'll can you, can you set that up up at Nike for us? I'll do my best. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I was just looking up the uh, 2028 Summer Olympics are in Los Angeles. So is there a time to just like America to just make massive changes to Olympic track? Uh, 2028. So we need to start the uh, the marketing campaign right now. We do. I think really we got enough time, right? I think yeah, so. I think so. Yeah. We got a lot of peak too early episodes between now and then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So we, uh, you and I, Riley, we were, we were kind of talking after the Liberty Mile in Pittsburgh about probably what would be the single greatest thing in getting people to pay attention to the sport, and that's gambling. And I think the first thing that um, these guys asked me after I told them that we talked about it was, like, what's the athlete's perspective on it? Like, how do the athletes feel? Do do you guys want gambling on the sport? Yeah, I think just about everybody would be interested in it. Um, I do think from an athlete's perspective, and like going back to the conversation we had just to fill everyone in is I do think the only thing that you really have to worry about is some kind of corruption. Like you got a guy taking a dive or whatever. So I think the way you make it work and to make it legitimate and to avoid some kind of like mafia or whatever type thing, getting into track and field is you have to make the prize purses big enough that someone can't pay off a runner to be like, Hey, you need to not beat my guy. So you know, it's like at the Liberty Mile, the win was five grand. But, you know, if you get enough money there, you get someone to be like, hey, I'll give you 10 grand if you just <laughs> don't win. And so yeah. people are going to be like, all right, cool, I'll do that. So, yeah. In, in all honesty, though, if, if the mafia got involved with track and field, yes, I mean, the integrity of the event and the sport would be sacrificed, <laughs> but it would be pretty good for everybody involved. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What a story. What a publicity. Base. Yeah, the mafia yeah. seems like they'd have a pretty good fan base. Once the mafia gets involved in your sport, you know you made it. Absolutely. (laughs) And any press is good press, right? That's right. That's why baseball survived so long, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) So, Riley, let me ask you. So, the pool, the purse was $5,000 for Pittsburgh. How much would I have had to pay you for you to to take a dive? (laughs) Oh, I mean, I'm a man of integrity, so there's no way. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have done it. Okay. Hypothetically, if you were a runner... A, a different runner who might take, you know, the corruption and be okay with it. Where where does the line get drawn? Don't not, answer that, Riley. Yeah. Uh, answer <laughs> answer that question. Slope. Yeah, we're gonna get people listening to this. Like, What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> All right, I'll go. I'll go ahead and shift gears for you here. We'll we'll, we'll get you out of this uh, this trench that you're in here. All right. So we we've talked a little bit about your road races, a little bit about the track world. You um, last year you won the uh, mile. U.S. championship on the roads, correct? Yeah. So where how, where does, like, what is the biggest difference between running the road miles and the track miles, and what do you enjoy more? Um, and did that mile championship mean more or less to you because it was on the road and not on the track? So I, let me see. So my primary focus is, as an athlete is the 5,000. So, yep. um but I do enjoy running on the, the road a little bit more when I'm running road miles. Um, yeah. Simply because I think like tactics are, they're just different than on the, on the track. So on the track, you obviously, you know, you, everyone's turning left. Um, you all want to stay in lane one. You're trying to stay as close to the rail as you can to run the least amount of distance. 
Whereas on the road, you have an entire road to work with. So not everyone's in a single file line. You're kind of in this pack and you're drafting off people. Um, and then some people move too soon. You kind of have to like gauge your effort. Um, so I think it's like kind of the more savvy runner, I think. Well, I guess more savvy runner wins um, in either. But uh, yeah, I guess I've found a lot of success in the road miles. So I kind of enjoy those a little bit more, um, especially because it gives me you know, I might not be as sharp as some of these, the, the milers at times, just because I'm getting ready for the 5K. So I find that sometimes I'm able to compete a little bit better against the milers that are on the road, um, simply because tactics don't quite come into play and I can kind of use my strength a little bit more. Yeah. But, yeah. Cool. Do you think yeah. the, uh, like, the, the culture and the mindset going into the road events is a little bit different? Like, the, the track is so uh you know defined and specific and it's what we think of when we're running the mile so i think like maybe if you're on the road it's more of like an exposition like and maybe more fun of an event um at least from a spectator it seems like that is that true for the athletes as well yeah i think it's pretty unique and each road mile is is unique in its own sense you know they're not running the same road every track is basically the same thing right um some of them might have a little bit wider turns or whatever but um yeah the road miles it's like you know you run on some other different street there's hills um so yeah kind of there's a lot more a lot, a lot more variables i guess in a road mile but uh and some of them can be yeah super fun i think people really like to attack the road miles too whereas the track you're a little bit more you're paying attention to splits and in the mile you're just going for it i mean the road mile so like the fifth avenue miles coming up in a couple of weeks now um and i it was just announced the fields were announced yesterday and uh, so i'll be running that again this year but that one's wild and so fun to watch because it's just straight down Fifth Avenue in New York, and there's a halfway bonus for uh, at 800. So you're I love at that, and you still break four minutes, you get a thousand dollars. So there's like people, people will just go. You'll have some people who go all out for the halfway bonus, and they try to hang on. Um, and then you've got all these people who are running behind them and they, you know, they close like crazy, but you'll have people who are just blowing up like crazy and then people who are taking off. So it's pretty cool to watch, I think. Yeah, yeah, we were we were actually just talking about that before you came on that the fifth Ave mile is like one of the coolest events in the sport of running. Um, and I think a big part of that is it's just straight. You get a straight mile. It's a ton of fun to watch. It's, a, you know, it's uh, very competitive. We were actually talking, we, we might even just shoot out there for the day to uh, to go watch the Fifth Ave mile and then and then duck into a bar somewhere to watch the Patriots game after. You guys honestly should. And the best, one of the fun things, this year's a little bit unique because worlds fall after Fifth Avenue, but that's typically where the elites end their season. So people get pretty rowdy afterwards and it's uh, it's a good time. Yeah. And that's the other thing about most road miles is that the miles like the event where if you go to a track meet, you know, you got to you're there all day. You got a bunch of different events. You got to sit through, you know, 40 heats of the 200. Um, but the, but on, when it's on the when it's on the road, you know, it's everybody's there to see the elite road mile. And like, that's the most important event. That's pretty much the only event. You know, you have the other other, you know, heats leading up to it. But that's, you know, you know, another plus of the roads, I think, for sure. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you can get, you know, you can get the community people running beforehand as well. So, yeah, yeah. it's a good time. We were talking like the mile is, you know, the event, the uh, it should be the forefront of track and field and how we want to promote that uh screw that we should be the road mile like promotion pod it, <laughs> it's we go. so much like fits our description like screw the splits right screw the the exact same course every time it's like cross country uh in in a mile form like that that's that's awesome i don't know that that yeah. should be our event you guys should put on like some like back alley miles <laughs> where it's like no one knows how fit people are just have people show up and then people can bet on them based on like their physique just well, like, oh, we run it if we put that on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like it'd be unfair because then it'd like not obviously be a heavy favorite. I guess you're running against just some average Joes, but I think that'd be the thing to bet on. Are you, you calling us we... average Joes? Uh, not you guys, but maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I am definitely, I'm definitely at the average Joe status. I do not average that Joes. Were a couple right. of you guys are drinking beers during this interview. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's just, it loosen up the podcast a little bit. Yeah, there you go. Riley, here's a here's a really good question for you. Do you ever worry that people think you're older than you are because of your last name? Yeah, mm, great question. Yeah, I, I thought that. so. It's funny. I get that a fair amount. People think that, uh, like, so actually at the Falmouth Road Race, 
like yeah people I, it said masters on my bib and people were like like i could hear people say like <laughs> it's like oh the first masters is coming through exactly and i was like i don't look old like i was no. like do you guys really think i'm 40 i'll uh, be honest you you came on the podcast today and i was like oh you're way younger than i thought you were <laughs> yeah, yeah. i'm still pretty old for the um for the pro circuit but uh yeah not quite a masters yet what is it, the masters age uh 40 and over okay but again what you guys were just saying so because my last name's masters i've always kind of hoped that if there was ever a race that had masters money as well they would the meet director would just be like oh that's a mat and like you just give me the money um one day like thinking that i was the first masters finisher so but you could even dispute it you could even dispute it being like hey it says right here that the first masters gets this money i'm you know i'm the first master you got to give me that check yeah i'll talk again i gotta talk to my agent to see if i get on that he's not the more the more I think about it, there's like a lot of play with your name right now. We actually just interviewed a speed golfer and obviously the connection with the masters there and golf. And so, I mean, yeah. we, there could be some nice advertisement as far as speed golf goes for you. If that's a direction you want to take in, in your future. That's true. Yeah. I guess if I, if I do turn to speed golf after I'd probably be a fan favorite. Yeah. The yeah. masters at the masters or something like that. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Man, the t-shirts up, print themselves. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, we're up with all the good ideas tonight. <laughs> yeah. I got married this past fall and like you come up with like, Congratulations. a Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And like everyone I came up with, I wanted it to be like masters themed, like the golf tournament. Oh yeah. Uh, my wife didn't go for that. Yeah. <laughs> no. We did get married on a golf course, so though, so I won there, I think. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Can she we get side? She could have walked down the aisle to the masters uh theme song there oh, yeah that would, could, that would have been incredible priest could have yeah, got up in the altar crazy. and just said hello friends yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. it's actually i'm like really sad now that jim nance didn't like yeah. wasn't like, the announcer or the whatever didn't do our ceremony yeah but, oh my god yeah. that would have been let's get sidetracked for a second here um yeah what do we feel about hashtags for weddings? Like everybody's got a hashtag now on it and 75% of them suck. Uh, uh, should they, should that tradition be done with? Yeah, I think that was like very, I think we're on like the very end of it right now. Okay. So, so Mike just got married. I, did you even have a hashtag for your wedding? No, we didn't, but Congratulations. well, not that I was, not that I was aware. Thanks. Not that I was aware of. <laughs> we did. Uh, I got married on the 4th of July and we did, it was so dumb. We did red, white, and I do. So dumb. <laughs> red, white, and I do. Hey, hey, Aaron's listening to this. I think it's good. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, great idea. <laughs> That's funny. All right, Riley, one more dumb question. Since we're on the, the topic of, of Twitter and hashtags, if you're, I promise we'll get back right back into running after this. I just had to clarify a few things here. This is an impromptu segment. We'll call it uh, uh, Clarify Your Tweets. Here All we right. go. I got a couple tweets that you put out here. The most stressful part of brunch is answering the question: French toast or pancakes? Can you can you clarify that a little bit? Uh, I mean, I do. Like, I'm just. It's tough to pick. You know. <laughs> yeah. I, do you get also, to ask that question? Although, like, I was pretty young back then, and I was more of a French toast fan. I think now it wouldn't be as stressful. I go straight pancakes. Sure. Oh. All right, this one. This one's. It turns out. <laughs> it turns out, Baby Driver and Cars Three are two different movies. <laughs> That's a good tweet. That is a great tweet. That is an awesome, awesome tweet. Yeah, I have two, I, I have two more. <clears throat> this one's a little questionable, honestly. I hope that both Canada and U.S. lose this softball game. <laughs> I don't remember what was happening. I think there was like a game where they spot. went into like twenty-four innings or something like that, and I people were tweeting about it, and I just. Uh, that was a dumb tweet. I'll t- I'll t- oh, no, no, no. Great tweet. These are all great. All right, this, all right. this, is the last, this is the last one. It's more, I don't really need clarification. I just kind of want to talk about it. You said, I want to kiss Tom Brady on the mouth. <laughs> Who I mean, doesn't? doesn't, right? Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know. That's what I mean. I, I think that was right after number six, too. Yeah. yeah. I, I guarantee you I have maybe the same exact tweet out there. <laughs> yeah. All right, so. I have a question for you guys. This is something that like I struggle with. Is like obviously we all idolize Tom Brady. Um, I feel bad. I'm probably killing any like chance of you guys like expanding your podcast outside of New England, but that's fine. Um, but anyway, we all idolize Tom Brady. Would you guys be like sad if you met him and he was just like, like I almost don't want to meet him unless we're gonna be best friends. You know, I I've, I've thought about this quite a bit. I'm not. Gonna- <laughs> 
I, I'm actually embarrassed to admit how much I've thought about this. And I think and I think Mike and I have talked about this. I think the only thing you can do is if I got the chance to meet Tom Brady, I'd walk up, I'd shake his hand, I'd say thank you, and immediately turn around and walk the other way because I can't I can't have a response. I can't I can't know what he's like off the football field. I just gotta keep I gotta keep this image of him in my mind the same. That's true. I agree with you. Yeah. I'm less scared guys? I'm less scared of him like not being like a cool person or a good person i'm more afraid of you know he interacts with fans constantly and i would just be like another fan right so our interaction would be very like surface level and you would never get the like the true like oh like we're boys like real like real person talk so i don't even think i'd want him to like have to fake it or pretend so yeah i'm on the same page like i would love to meet him but i don't need to like you know have extended conversation with him Exactly. Yeah, I I, want, I don't want to just be like another face in the crowd. I want to exactly. be like, like I want you to be like really tight with him, or <laughs> just not. I don't want to know him at all. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I'd like to get to know. I think uh, that <laughs> he'd be my bro. I'm not worried about that. He would love me. <laughs> but uh, the Tom vs. Time documentary series really showed he's like a huge goofball. You know, like he is. He's not Mr. Cool. He comes across in his Uggs commercials um, and his advertisements. He's just like a goofy dude. So I'm pretty sure we come up, he'd give me like an awkward dab or whatever. You know, that's how I picture it in my head. He'd tell me he's a big fan of the podcast. Um, You know, we'd exchange numbers and and hit each other (laughs) up later on. That's good. But like my expectations aren't that high for his like coolness level because I think they're pretty low. And that has absolutely no negative effect on my my thoughts on him. All right. There you go. Yeah. I mean, if we're being honest, I mean. I mean, the guy's a weirdo. He's our yeah. weirdo, but he's weird. That's why he's so great. But, yeah, I like Guerrero stuff. He's a he's a weird yeah, dude. Yeah. That's, I, mean, I agree. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But um, all right, back to back to some quick running talk because before the, before we wrap this interview up, so you said your your focus is on the five thousand right now, and I would assume that your your number one goal is uh, the Olympics next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the that's the plan. Okay. All right, so we're gonna be cheering for you. What are you gonna put on your odds on getting to the Olympics? If we were to make, if we were to make uh, uh, some some gambling, uh, the, some odds on making the Olympics next year, where do you put yourself at? How confident are you self, uh, on yourself? I think you'd make you'd be it'd be even money. Uh, okay, you'd have to I like it. Right? I love yeah. it. Like, you know, I feel. Um, I mean, I don't. I think that would be a pretty generous if anyone else was saying it. But I think as as the athlete, you have to believe that you're going to do it. Um, and I think over the last couple of years, I've definitely put myself right there in the mix, where there's like, you know, if there's a handful of guys that could do it. I think I'm one of the guys. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. I'm how are you feeling right now? I'm taking are that you? at even money. Right. Yeah, I would take it in a heartbeat. Um, how are you feeling right now? Are you healthy? Uh, you feel like you you're you're setting yourself up in a good spot right now yeah so i had a pretty uh i was pretty kind of injured this year so i had a back injury um that kind of lasted from like february through early may um so i'm just kind of now like finding my form um so usa's was a little rough too i was just kind of i'm still like getting kind of my racing legs under me um so but i do think I'll, I'll end the season here in the next like month or so and then really build up for next year. So I got a good coach, uh, Mark Wetmore, coach at the University of Colorado and Heather Burroughs. Um, and they'll, they'll have me ready to go. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that injury real quick, though. So I read that you were, you were doing squats. Um, and I don't believe that because you're a distance runner and you'd either be doing no weight on your, your shoulders. Um, so what were you really doing when you hurt your back? No, I was I was squatting. Yeah, but all right. But this is the thing. I'll I'll say this, and this is very distance runner, like squat story. Is I was trying to squat. I was squatting the same amount as a girl on the CU track team, and she like added five pounds to both sides, and it was just enough to like put me over the edge. Yeah, but zero to five. I love it. Yeah. Well, so before we get away from the Olympics, I did want to ask you. So the Olympics is such like a a unique beast where it only comes around every four years, right? And it's really, you know, you show up to those Olympic trials, you have one shot, and then if you miss that shot, you have four years to go. Who knows where you're going to be in your career and in your life four years from that point? So it's like, how how much do you feel that pressure? And, you know, how different is that than just a normal run-of-the-mill, 
you know, USA championship or another big race like that. Yeah, I think so. This will be my third Olympic trials next year. And I think I've approached it differently each time. So Mm -hmm. the first time I went, I was just happy to be there. I was pumped. I was like, I was a college kid and I was looking forward to just like being out in Eugene for a couple of weeks and like enjoying the experience. Um, the last time I like had the standard, but like wasn't that I was injured going into it, so I was wasn't that optimistic I was to make the team. I think this time, like this is kind of my shot to make it, so I do think the expectations and like the pressure will be there. Um, but I think the people who make the team, like they're the ones who kind of approach it just like any other race. Right. So I think if you have the ability to like keep a calm head, um, that'll benefit you big time. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's the weird thing about this sport. I feel like if you start putting that pressure on yourself, you start bearing down, you kind of get like in that almost like football mentality of like, you know, pump up music, you know, you start to tighten up and it just, it's not as smooth out there. You're not as fast. Right. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think that uh, the more relaxed you can kind of go into it, the more, like the better, uh, the better you'll do for sure. And obviously like the better you prepare, I think it makes it easier to be nice and calm and collected there. So you know, if you know you've done the work and you've had a good good block of training leading into it, it's uh, it's not that bad to just treat it like any other race. For sure. Um, yeah. Well, uh, this has been a ton of fun. It's been like we've loved having you on. Um, I think uh, we as soon as I as soon as I told these guys that you know we were going to have you on, we were all pumped up to to have you on and talk with you. And it's I think it's it's lived up to the hype for sure. But we end every interview with a game. Mike, do you want to introduce down the home stretch? Absolutely. So we're going to put 90 seconds on the clock. And, you know, I always say we're going to put 90 seconds on the clock, but we don't actually. We just kind of go until we're done. So it's kind of arbitrary, but we'll say this. I'm going to put 90 seconds on the clock, and we pick a specific topic. Rapid-fire questions. Your topic is Maine. So Trent is going to ask you the first question. The arbitrary clock starts with Trent's question. Go ahead. All right, easy one to start. I'm going to Acadia in a couple of weeks. What should I do? Run the carriage trails. Got it. Best, best hair shows. Have you ever met Stephen King? Yep. Yeah, so he had built the baseball field I grew up playing on. Wow. So, yeah, we're buds. That baseball field is 100% haunted. Oh, for sure. All right, are there more lobsters or humans in Maine? Lobsters. Sounds about if, right. Yeah. If there's no humans in Maine, why is there so much damn traffic on 95 during the summer? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just wants to go to Maine. It's just all those, uh, it's all those Massachusetts people coming up. How many of your high school classmates work for or own a brewery? <laughs> all of them. Yeah. I'm the only one who doesn't. <laughs> that brings me to my question. What is the best Maine beer? I, I like Sea Dog. Yeah. Okay. Classic. Yeah, that's a good one. They got a good blueberry ale I like in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, how come everything north of Portland isn't just a part of Canada? You know, it's shitty. I'd be yeah. okay with that. Yeah, it's it, it. That's fine. There's like once you get to like it's like a lot of Tim Hortons up there. Yeah, yeah. You're, we're basically so I'm from Bangor. It's Canada. It's fine. You're a Canadian. Yeah. Can you really call it vacation land in the middle of the winter up there? <laughs> no, it's miserable. Yeah. I did a long run up there, and it was. What was it? Minus 20 in 2018? Brutal. Yeah. All right. So um, I've heard movies come out a little bit later in Maine than they do in the rest of the country. Which Rocky are you guys on? Three, four? Do you know about Drago yet? I, I don't even know what Rocky is, man. It hasn't made it <laughs> oh, my goodness, yeah. man. You guys are way further back than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, my question was right on that same theme. So what's the, what's the difference between present-day rural Maine and mid-18th century Massachusetts? Honestly, they're Is pretty there similar. Yeah. But That's what I thought. I did my bachelor party in northern Maine, and there was actually like a horse-drawn carriage we drove by. Oh and God. the guys were like, what's going on? <laughs> Sounds like Maine. How many flannel shirts do you own? Four or five. Huh. All right, Mike, last question. What do you got? Power rank the top three New England states. Top three? Top three. Maine's one. I mean, that's – all right, actually, yeah. Massachusetts is is New England. I'm going to say Maine after that. And then New Hampshire's not bad. Oh, all right. right. New Hampshire's pretty blue-collar. I love to hear it. Connecticut. 
Connecticut out of here. Yeah. Connecticut yeah. shouldn't be in New you, England. Connecticut tried to. New York can have Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, this has been so much fun. Riley, thank you for coming on. Of course, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thanks again to uh, to Riley for coming on the podcast. It was a lot of fun having him on, and we're going to be cheering him on like we do all of our all of our uh, you know guests. Uh, you know, hopefully making an Olympic team next year. He's part of the he's part of the P two E friends of the program. So uh, um, good luck to him. He said he's racing at the the Fifth Avenue Mile. Maybe we might try to get out there and then watch him uh, watch him race in New York. Steve Riley completely exposed us for the. Uh the track fan frauds that we are. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. But he, he uh, did say, he did say that everything that the sport does needs to be run through us. Yeah, I'm going to put that on like a, a poster or take that recording and send it to every running agency in, in, on the planet because that was awesome. <laughs> we've uh, we've talked about part of my take, how they clearly listen to our podcast and, and they steal our segments. I'll give them a shout out. They talk about how the rules should be set by just if you're at a busy bar and everybody's watching the game, like in, in football. Is that a catch or not? What does the bar think? We are that bar. Like we are just the the voice of the people. It's great. Love it. <laughs> so we are going to transition into a new segment we have. This is going to be called uh, the P2E Crew Watches a YouTube Video. And so what we're going to do is we are going to watch Nick Simmons's Nick Simmons' attempt at a 100-meter dash He's going after the world record in ski boots. So here we go. All right, he's in the blocks in his ski boots. Go. A little wobbly out of the gates there. He's got decent form, though. Yeah. It's almost like he's not even wearing the ski boots. Are those ski boots fully strapped in? I don't know. Is that legal? It's right, nice cross the line. What does he get? He looked like he was about to take a digger. What did he get? Let's show us the time, Nick. Show us the time. What'd you get here? He seems Come happy. On. He's all fired yeah. up. He looks like he might puke too. There is not one spectator. There it is. There. We got it. Oh, I might be a little ahead of you guys. Yeah, I don't have it yet. <laughs> hey, we got it. New world record for Nick Simmons. Okay. Reaction right. to this video. What do we think? I think I'm ready to strap on my ski boots and go take that down, honestly. <laughs> Let's go. I, I I will go on the track tomorrow and do it if you guys want. This is so stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> he put on ski boots and he ran. I'm sorry, but anybody can come up with a world record if you just think of the dumbest thing that no one would ever like want to do, right? Um, I'm sure nobody has a world record for doing it in, in snowboard boots running backwards. You can just start making up random stuff. Uh, walking around in ski boots sucks. It's the worst. And he looks stupid when he's doing it because he's got ski boots on. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's fun, right? I got, like, like nothing against him making funny YouTube videos, but I think of it more as funny. I am not impressed by the athletic achievement whatsoever. It's, it's a totally stupid thing. I wanted to hate on this. I really did. I actually sent you guys this, I actually sent you guys this video so we could, like, pretty much shit on this. I wanted to hate this. I actually think it's pretty cool. <laughs> oh like, that's God. actually a pretty good athletic achievement. I mean, he was making fun of himself at the beginning of the video. He was like, he was like, you know, I originally set a goal of, of breaking the world record in the 100 meters without ski boots on. He's like, I got close. I got within two seconds of, the, of, the, of, the, of Usain Bolt's time, which is funny because we joke about that all the time. Um, but I don't know, man. I kind of like it. You got to give him props. He's trying to stay relevant. He's doing something funny. You know, he's just having fun with the sport. We talk about that all the time. Trent, when did you become such a weenie, dude? Like, <laughs> Me see, a weenie? Yeah, you sound like a like uh, you're part of the Get Off My Lawn crew over there getting <laughs> all worked up over. But I, guess, I mean, that's that's hilarious. That's exactly the kind of we, – we are all into speed golf in the beer mile all these fun things. And this guy goes out there trying to have a good time breaking a record in ski boots, which imagine if we lined up like – eight of us on the on a on a track and like did a you know put put a hundred bucks on a race with all of our friends trying to do this it'd be hilarious it'd be fun it'd be great come on Trent you're better than that I'm not the weenie you guys are the weenie for watching Nick Simmons and thinking he's all cool because he threw on ski boots and ran 100 meters I'm not saying it's not like 
kind of funny because it's you know it's a it's a spoof of a YouTube video. Yeah, I get that. But he's also out here like fully sponsored up. He's like clearly like pretty excited that he, about himself that he, he has this this world record as he'll call it. Um, it's just it's it's stupid. It's well, just, I will settle, say, this, settle this on the track. Go get your ski boots. Go get mine. I will we'll, say. He had he had like a production here, like you know, it looks like he had the drone going, but like the video quality wasn't that good. You got to step That's up the video. I mean, I mean, Nick, I think next time you should call Twenty Seven Video because whether you're married to the game of running or getting married to another runner, let Twenty Seven Video take care of all your video needs. We can show in 4K the beads of sweat on your calves in a road race or your gorgeous wedding. Choose Twenty Seven Video. We love weddings and we love runners too. Steve, I don't. Even, I I can't even. That was the most seamless. I I don't know if you had that planned or what, but that was perfectly seamless. So I don't want to go into too much of a tangent of how amazing it was because it was great. I want to go back to because I just it all it, it's all making sense to me now, Steve. Trent, <laughs> Trent is a snowboarder and he's got this vendetta oh, against skiers. Yeah. So he saw ski boots and immediately already knew what his opinion was. Okay. He, he's this big, bad snowboarder who's carving up the mountain, taking all the good, fresh powder off of the mountain. And then when you're skiing with him, every single time we get to the top of the chairlift, then we have to wait like three minutes for him to buckle up all this stuff. We're like, I would have been down the mountain by now, and you're still sitting there on your butt, like cranking away at all your stupid things. And then halfway down the mountain, you get tired, so you sit in the middle of the ski path, so everyone has to ski around you, and you're a danger of Snowboard's a hazard. Over. So you know no, what, Trent? I understand. No, it's okay. I, I understand. You, you're you're grumpy because you're a snowboarder. It's okay. We're only sitting down halfway down the trail to wait for you, slow ass skiers, because you're out there busy complaining that somehow we ruined the trail for you. Oh, what about perfect. you guys losing ruin the trail for us? Like that is the biggest BS thing I've ever heard. You I really? You truly think that snowboarders move faster than skiers? What, but you what, guys are all, all complaining about, oh, on? the trail quality because the snowboarder came in here and took a perfect turn there and somehow messed up my, when, my snow. When I ski with a snowboarder, I lose at least 20 to 25 runs per day waiting for your slow asses, okay? So I don't want to hear that we're slowing you down, Trent. That's a preposterous statement, Michael. Get in the, get in the, get in the trick park and get off of my perfectly exactly. trail. Exactly, yeah. Get on your Learn. boxes or whatever. <laughs> get, on, get on my boxes. <laughs> yeah, those stupid little boxes. That skiers can't do because they just, they just you know, they don't know what fun. they're doing in the terrain park. They're literally not fun. <laughs> you can't even defend yourself. <laughs> this is stupider than Nick Simmons now. running a, a 100 meters <laughs> in, in ski boots. Oh, man. Well, uh, moving on from skiing, because we are a running podcast, of course, we are going to inter- introduce yet again another new segment, and this will be a reoccurring segment. Obviously, the, the gang watches a YouTube video as a joke segment, but this is, this is going to be a reoccurring segment that we're going to do once a week, and this is going to be called the Sav, as in Savage, presented the Sav of the Week, presented by SAV Racing. Um, and this week's Sav of the Week is Joe Whelan. He is from Buffalo. He runs for Nike. He just qualified for the Olympic trials with a 213 marathon. But the reason that this guy is the salve of the week is because he spends 70 hours a week working on a farm. Right? Is that right? Did I get that right? He used to. He used to. I think he's running a little more full-time now, but I uh, just go with the story. It sounds better that way. No, no. But while he was training, he was yeah. working 70 hours a week with yeah. a chainsaw doing backbreaking labor. He gets off his gets off the clock. He laces up his shoes and he go gets gets his long run in. This guy is the epitome of what we're talking about on peak too early. It's not about how you're feeling. It's not about where your training's at. It's you just got to get the work done. Suck it up. Train hard. You know, race hard and play hard. Steve, I you know, whine and cry. And, you know, I have, a, you know, an office job where maybe, maybe work 40 hours a week. Every once in a while, maybe a hair over. Most times I work under 
And, you know, I get on my high horse and complain that I don't have enough time to squeeze in a run here, squeeze in a run there. This guy is out there working like twice as much as me, doing physical manual labor, out there just working the ranch, doing his thing in the hot sun. Meanwhile, probably banging out 80, 90 miles a week, qualifying for the Olympic trials in the marathon, just puts me to shame. And, uh, you know, he is the definition of a salve. Yeah. All right, so my first reaction was the same thing. This guy's a big sav. He makes me oh, feel we like go. so weak for never pants doing any work like that. But I do have, I do have. Some may call it a hot take, but it's actually a real take here. A lot of people could do what what he's doing, right? A lot of people could work crazy hours and train super hard. It just makes you like a massive nerd. All right. Like he does not have any time to just go out with the boys, you know, have a few beers on a Friday <laughs> night, gamble on the Red Sox and wake up hungover. Uh, it's it's cool. Like I'm not I'm not crapping on him. Right. I, I think he's the man. I'm super impressed by him. But you, you can't you can't be running. You can't be working the farm, you know, hitting on the farmer's daughter, that type of thing. And still be like having a social life like, you know, he's just just goes to bed every night, you know, at, at, as soon as he gets back from his run, wakes up early to hit the farm and, and just doesn't do anything social. Um, so so right. that's my take. He's a nerd. All right, Trent A. Smith over there. This guy's the Sav of the week. This guy, this guy, you said anybody could do this. Anybody can train yeah. hard. Anybody can work hard as hard as he is trained. This guy ran a 213 marathon. Could you run a 213 marathon? No, no, I couldn't. And, and I came out a little too hot. Uh, I hate being called Trent A. Smith, but when you're – when you called me that and you had a point, it really it hurts. So I got to, you know, rethink my take here. But the first thing I thought of was, yes, he's a badass. He's the man. Totally supporting being sad of the week. But the second thing I thought of was, like, he must be a massive nerd. Like, he's got no time for anything else. So I, I hear your your point, Trent, right? Because a, a, a thing that we preach, right, is being able to work hard, party hard culture. Like, that's, that's what we raised. But at the same time, we also are a huge proponent of the just work your butt off like no excuses type of culture and this guy perpetuates that to a huge extent so i uh, reading more in the article he was uh ran at syracuse graduated in 2014 so not he was just he, missed the national championship yeah just missed the national championship on the, the year cross after. Team. and he like destroyed his leg his like kneecap was broken he had like two bones <laughs> broken in his leg like he was he pretty much had to quit running for like almost three years, then later made this comeback. And I don't know, Trent, I mean, if you, you got this job, you're working your butt off and all of a sudden it's like, you know what, I'm going to make the decision to go back to, back to running. I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you make some sacrifices if you had a chance to go to the Olympics? Like uh, I, I, well, I understand your point to a certain extent. I think you're being a little bit hard on our guy here. No, no, I'm calling him a nerd out of like admiration. Like I could never do that. Right. I could never do that. I could never give up my entire social life. Um, you know, being a sav in other senses of the word, but, uh, I, I can't, I can't give that up, but he could. So good for him. I just, uh, you know, he's probably a nerd. This guy, (laughs) this guy has a legitimate chance of making the Olympic team. I mean, two thirteen is no joke. It's no joke. And I think that's like his, like, that's like his breakout marathon. So he still might have more to go. So, um, I'm pulling for him. Hopefully, we can get him on the podcast. Yeah, we can see it, what his social life looks like. But that's our new segment. That's our new segment called the uh, the Sav of the Week. So <laughs> we're not going to reserve Sav of the Week just for professional runners, people that are qualifying for the Olympic trials. If you have somebody that you want to nominate as Sav of the Week, it could be it could be a high school race, it could be a college race, it could be a local 5K. They don't even need to they don't even need to be a winner. If somebody did something super impressive, they grinded it out, they accomplished a goal, you can submit them for Sav of the Week and we're going to do this every single week. So so uh, please, you know, send in your stories, let us know who you think should be Sav of the Week. So guys, this was a fun episode. Had a had a ton of fun talking with talk, with talking with Riley, um, but uh, let's uh, let's kick off the bell lap. Yeah, so Steve, I uh, I did the unthinkable yesterday. I uh, I purchased myself a book, Whoa. and it might have taken me a little bit longer than it should have, but 
I finally bought Lewis Kent's book. I'm going to read a book this fall. You know, <laughs> so in between uh, stints of watching football and some playoff baseball, I'm going to find some time. Finally going to read myself this book. Um, so I, I recommend if I can do it, you guys should all do it too. Everybody out there listening, go buy Lewis Kent's book. I told him I would do it, so I'm getting it done. Trent, what do you got for people <laughs> on the Bell Lab? Uh, I'm a... I'm really thinking about myself as a Patriots fan right now. Riley was telling us how he was just watching Pat's preseason. And I like to have Pat's preseason on in, in the background. Like I was at a, a bar, a brewery last weekend and the game was on, you know, at the bar. I wasn't watching it though. I was, I was conversing with friends, playing cornhole, that, that sort of thing. Because I can't get excited about Pat's preseason. You know, I it just, it's fun. No, it's there, but, but if I'm watching Pat's preseason, I'm like, God, what am I doing? At least that was my mindset before now. Now Riley is talking. He, this guy is an elite runner, right? He's got a lot of good stuff going on. He, he's a cool dude. He's, he's making time to peak too early. And he's watching Pat's preseason games. Uh, am I a bad Patriots fan? I don't know. I don't know. Put it out there to the listeners. I don't. I, I think so. I think you got to be invested in, in preseason to be, a, to be a diehard. So I think we got, we got a couple more preseason games left. Trent, step your game up. We got we got big week three. Everybody knows Patriots number one preseason game is the third one. So step it up. I need a I need a I need a, a quarter by quarter breakdown for you after for from you know for Mike and I after after game three of the preseason. Okay, we'll do a we'll do at least twenty five to thirty minutes on my quarter <laughs> quarter analysis on next week's early. <laughs> um, my, I'm gonna stay on the uh, the sports topic non uh, non running sports uh, topic, and I'm just gonna say it right here, boys. You know things are grim. Where the Red Sox six games back in the wild card, our ace is 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 out for at least six weeks. Probably gonna get Tommy John, but you know what? I'm not counting the Red Sox out. Mm, I'm not counting the Red Sox yet. out. I haven't given we up. We got yet. we got a month left of baseball. Things look really bad, but I think they're gonna make a run. I think they're gonna come. I think it's gonna come down to the wire. And you know what? We might get that playoff game at Fenway, that wild card playoff game at Fenway. And next thing you know, we got the same lineup the same playoff lineup that we had last year i'm not counting the red Sox out i'm not giving them up not giving them up on them so mike i would have run faster but i peaked too early hit me with the joke Right now, right now. What's New York? A second. Uh, Vacation. Uh, it, no, my. Whoop, he's gone. He's going to New York. Yeah. Like when he said right now, he meant right now. <laughs> so the uh, the Sox winning right now. Is that why he's doing so well? Uh, they haven't started yet. There? No, I think oh, yeah. they started another hour. Or so. Oh, that's right. Okay, I gotcha. Well, hopefully, hopefully we can make a little run at the playoffs here. Yeah, it's gonna be. Yeah, it's gonna be definitely. tough. Yeah, I was actually in Massachusetts this past weekend. People didn't seem too optimistic. <laughs> no, it's been a rough summer. Oh, it's been really yeah, it's been, it's been brutal. <laughs> Luckily, football season's right around the corner. That's right, yeah. Tommy will bring us to the promised land, right?